0: This is the Ziegler show episode 444 today Tom Ziegler and I answer your questions literal questions from listeners pertaining to specific shows and issues that we have covered most of them from the real recent shows as of late Uh, though it's interesting with questions on such a range of topics we end up on some common threads of need and insight this will be fun
1: Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours.
0: Well, hey, folks, this is Kevin Miller, your host of The Ziegler Show, and this is one of the Q&A shows that we insert every once in a while. So I brought Tom Ziegler on, and we just candidly went through a list of literal submissions from you guys, the listening audience uh, that you sent in, and I'll give you the information, folks, because uh, it was interesting on these, as you'll hear, people ask specific questions in regards to specific shows. Hey, Kevin, you guys in show XYZ talked about this. What do you think? I've got a question. So it was really good. If you would like to do that on any of the past shows or on this show, as you listen to it, you can always go to Ziggler Show dot com or zigshow.com and on the top tab is an ask button you could submit right there you can even submit it as an audio if you want record your voice or you can just simply email us at ask ask at zigshow. Dot com, ask at zigshow.com. Please do that. You are welcome to uh, ask a question, give us an idea or a resource that comes to mind if you want to, or if you've got something that's concerning to you, I uh, got a little debate. You are welcome to uh, put it in there and we will try to address uh, your question. Know that if you've got one uh, for every question that's asked, it probably speaks for a thousand people who had the same question and did not ask it. So please uh, be confident in that your question is valid and we would love to give it our best. It's not that we have the answer to everything, but we can uh, give you some thoughts and ideas and maybe some more questions to ask. And as we often do, as you'll hear in this show, give you some great resources to further your, uh, the answer to your question or giving you some resources, some solutions to those. So with no further ado, here is a Q&A, Candid and Raw, with Tom Ziegler and myself. Here we go. All right, Tom. Well, uh, the questions are always coming in, so we just gathered some interesting ones that just go over a gamut of various questions and ideas and concerns that I'm going to, you and I are going to hit candidly. I have not actually, I as to say, I haven't looked at these. I did look at one cause they asked about which show. So I had to go figure out which show they were asking about. Other than that, it is candid as can be. You ready? Ready. All right, man. All right. Hey, this first one is from Morani Mar- Marani. Uh, it's an a- actor filmmaker who says, please, please, please do a show which uh, how about just we'll answer a question on this set of whole show, do a show about this combo of elements as an actor, artist, and filmmaker. When I'm riding the high wave, I am often asked how I'm, how I'm able to sustain a career doing what I love. It's a great feeling to be in this position one I'm always grateful of. But when I'm in a low wave, I ask myself that very same question. How am I able to sustain a career doing what I love? I'd love to hear a Ziegler perspective podcast on this issue. Well, Tom, you know that one man being in business for yourself and and doing things you enjoy is uh, it's not always the most consistent place to be, eh?
1: That's right. And all too often we judge our success based on the applause of the audience. And I learned early on from dad, that's not why he did it. He never judged how well his speech was, his presentation was. From the applause of the audience he went on stage with one purpose and that purpose was to share God's truth and love and in the process of doing that he made a commitment to prepare in a way that would allow him to do the best performance he'd ever done and so when he got off the stage he would ask himself two questions first did I prepare and do everything that I could? And number two, did I speak God's truth and love? And when he could answer yes to both of those, then it answered the big question was, it wasn't for the person who was writing the paycheck. It wasn't for the people in the front row or the back row. It was to honor him. In business, and whether you have faith or not, there's another way that you can also apply this to your life. And that is, we too often judge ourselves on the results that we get rather than on the consistent strategic moral ethical and and hard work bottom line that we put in daily that's going to bear fruit and so we need to rest back on that over time though if we keep doing the same thing and we don't get any results then we've got to step back and say maybe i'm focused in the wrong place but People's acceptance of us and applause of us isn't why we're doing it. We're doing it to solve a problem, fulfill a need, lift somebody to a higher level, whatever the case may be. And if in that process we're becoming the best version of ourselves that we can and making that progress, then that tends to even it out. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man, I I love that in the aspect of preparing for your best performance appropriate to Farah here as an actor, artist, and filmmaker. Well, you know, and on this, as you mentioned, Farah having, you know, when you're on the high wave and when you're on a low wave, W-A-V-E is what he says, high and low, but one thing I think in the self-employment arena and doing something that you're passionate about that there's this human perspective that I see and I feel in myself of every day has to be progress or at least maintain, you know, maintain in progress, maintain in progress. And as uh, over time, gosh, as an athlete, as a pro athlete, and, as, and then as a, a, a business owner many times over and business builder, I have had to come to that realization and make peace with that. That it can't every day can't be getting better. Every day can't be getting uh, can't be making progress. That it's going to be a an up and down, and up and down, and up and down graph. Hopefully, the graph overall, though, over the course of a year, is is increasing. But those cycles just come. And they go and in helping so many other people pursue things that they're passionate about and uh, business building, that's become something that I've stated to so say you are going to lose momentum. You are going to have a failure amongst that, many failures amongst it, uh, and to just realize that and prepare for it. And when those times come, be at peace with them. Maybe it's time to take a break. Maybe you feel like you need to push through really hard, but maybe it's also time you know just chill out, have a little Sabbath and, uh, and, and let it ride, recoup yourself and come back and hit it hard. But making peace with that seems to help a lot of people. Cause again, I don't know, Tom, maybe you've got a, a definition for it, but I, I think we do we go after something as, as I'm right now. I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a workout regimen trying to literally put on muscle. I'm a fairly slim guy trying to put on muscle and I want to look on the scale and every day, some increment of weight gain. And, you know, I get on there and one day, I, I, you know, it's, it's a two pounds less, whoa, whoa. Son of a gun. Well, you you can't increase every single day, and I I have to remind myself of that. So uh, there's some humanity in there, I think.
1: I I think there is. And the other thing is, um, and I've noticed this, and Dad had this quote. He said, uh, the number one cause of a poor self-image is the lack of unconditional love. Mm. So for a child growing up, uh, what we're really talking about is a performance-based sense of self-worth. So, I love you for what you do rather than who you are, and we need to dig deep into our self belief and say hey do i do I love and respect myself for what i because of what I do or because of who I am and whose I am and so sometimes the waves the and the peaks and the valleys can be more severe if our concept of you know of approval is from the job that we do versus who we are as a human being. Mm -hmm. Because I know people who, um, from a, from a physicality perspective, they can't offer that much. They're limited. They've got disabilities. They've got uh, issues. But from a human spirit perspective of how they energize and motivate and inspire other people, Mm -hmm. they're priceless. Mm I mean, they change lives just in 5 minute conversations i see these people change lives. and so if they were judging themselves based on well there's you know that other person can walk and talk and smile and all that and i can't they would be in a constant valley. yeah. but instead they know that how they impact others is far more than the than the job that they do.
0: absolutely know hey, one one last thing, and I was thinking about as you were talking something made me think of it is fair make sure that you are closely aligned with just other peers, other peers that you can commiserate with as you all have those highs and lows uh together to give your give yourself a support system so often we have i think especially with artists sometimes they end up very isolated. And alone, and that's a hard place to be in because you are going to have, I think the the, the def definition of, of doing something you really love and passion is going to come with highs and lows. It's impossible to keep the high all the time. Um, so surround yourself, uh, with people. I'm so grateful to have people like Mr. Tom Ziegler, where I can also let him know that, you know, not, not every day is, is great and perfect. Uh, and he's, and he's there for me and he understands, uh, well, hey. So the next one. This is an interesting one, Tom. It says, Kevin, I have a comment about the show you did with Dan Miller, my dad, where you talked about needing passion, passion, talent, and money. We got that. We got passion comes up a lot in these Q and A's. Passion, talent, and money. Michael Hyatt did a podcast episode early this year where he talked about needing passion, proficiency, and profits. Similar idea, but a different uh, alliteration. And just asking about that, uh, Sonia Wright. And uh, Tom, this is an area, you hear this a lot. And it made me think to some degree of, you know, Solomon in the Bible thousands of years ago said, there's nothing new under the sun. That was a long time ago. You know, today, man, we're still talking about, uh, so if you look at that, look at what we talk about here on the show and Zig and Dan Miller and Michael Hyatt and all these names. Yeah, so often they are, they may say it with a different flavor. They may say it with a different perspective, but we are, we're all coming back to those foundational pillars. I mean, I feel like this is... You know, Zig did this so well. Tom, you do it so well to say this is not. I don't think you ever pawned it off as that this is this is new. This is the super secret, never been discovered before. Now these are the tenets of success, but they do have. Well, let's speak to that though. You know, with different terminologies, Tom. We, we are. I mean, every decade is a new decade. We have new realities, new culture, new things happening, new ways of communicating, new issues. And while the pillars of success that we're talking about may not change, there is relevance for different terminologies and understandings and applications, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've, you know, one of the great definitions of a great speaker or preacher is to communicate a timeless message in a timely way. Mm. And and so... The culture today and what we're dealing with with all the inputs that we have, and the way we communicate has got to be different. What we communicate is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I was thinking of the words that you you threw out, you know the three the, the, the three words, and we, there's nuances in each one, and we all have our own little sway on it but the, but the reality is is that we're all created with certain gifts mm-. Mm-hmm. And we're far better served to dig deep, find out what our talents are, and maximize our talents and Then when we add passion to that mix of our talent, whoa, there we go and so and so that's that's the key so how do we two thousand gosh Kevin, it's almost two thousand and seventeen I, I, I know I know you know self driving cars virtual reality. Uh, Buildings in a few years won't be built with parking lots anymore because they won't need them. Uh, Tiles on your house are going to be solar panels. It's going to be crazy. But when we're holding our newborn and we're saying, I need to create a life for you, I need to give you the the rule book, I need to give you the instruction manual, it's going to be the same. Mm Mm-hmm right? It's going to be, I need to live with integrity. I I need to build relationships on trust. I need to work hard. Uh, as soon as I have a sense of entitlement or somebody owes me something, everything collapses Mm -hmm. because over time it's not sustainable. So what are the things that are sustainable? I, (coughs) this is kind of cool. I, I, of course, I'm a huge fan of Rabbi Mm Lappin, Daniel Lappin, and I get his newsletter. So he points out, Genesis 2.15, very beginning of the Bible. And in that verse, it says, and God put Adam in the garden to nurture and preserve it. So my whole life I'm taught, hey, we're supposed to work. We're supposed to nurture and preserve whatever our garden is. And then the rabbi says, wait a second, the verbs are wrong. In the original Hebrew, the verb uh, nurture and preserve is feminine, and garden is masculine. Hmm. And so in Hebrew, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so don't, don't get me wrong, but I've read this like 20 times because it's, it's deep. But in the Hebrew, you have to go back in earlier verses to find out what does the feminine verb relate to? It's Adam's soul. Adam was put in the garden to nurture and to guard and preserve his own soul. Now take this to consideration. The garden was perfect at that time. He was in paradise. He hadn't fallen yet. God said, your role is to nurture and preserve your soul. Hmm. If you do that, the garden will take care of itself. So who knows what garden we're going to live in next year? Technology, things are going to change. But what is it? that we need to do today to nurture and preserve our own soul. It's around wisdom. It's about character and integrity and love and loyalty and honesty and, you know, relationships, all those things that matter. If you ask people what would make you happy in life? And at the end of the day, they all end up with relationships. Golly, if I've got, I mean, if I've got a house full of kids, not even all my own biologically, but we're getting along and everybody's pitching in, is is that heaven on earth or what? I mean, Kevin, you know that because it's what, you, it's you rich. like twenty or thirty now, I think. something like
0: that. I lost count. Yeah, yeah, You're so, that's, right, man.
1: so that's the that's the philosophical answer to it is yeah. We got to work on our garden because we got to make a living. But if we if we guard, nurture, and protect our soul, the living's going to come out of that. So that's when we look at a new more baby and we look into the future for him. We say okay. What's the wisdom that I what's the legacy what are the what are the things that I can teach you that will allow you to make decisions whatever happens in the future yeah
0: well, and you mentioned along there you mentioned these tenets of success a couple times actually and and Sonny, do you you know to your question as you find these different leaders and thought leaders and authors and experts and presenters and and these people where they will put, you know, different terminologies onto things. And, you know, speaking of the term passion, which keeps coming up here, uh, you know, we'll have, we've had many multiple people, including ourselves, talk about the need for passion, the, 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 the value of passion. And you'll have a guy like Roy Williams, who actually comes up here on the next question, uh, who we had on, uh, we've done a couple interviews with him. And the last one, he really went off on how irritated he was with the whole passions thing, going after passions, you know, he was, but it was an aspect of of that. When you get these guys all together, get these these leaders, guys and gals together, they generally are landing on the same truths, the same tenets of success. Um, and uh, you know, I think with all of them, look at it, and if you look deeper, you'll find that. And you know, there's relevance too. Not to discount the nuances that they come out with too. look at those, and they're speaking to different audiences sometimes, different uh, demographics. But uh, I think overall, we are all talking about the same aspects of success. Well, hey, speaking of that, I think this one is the question that I did see. Yeah, uh, Ron says, what is the name of the person you recently had on your show with the Monday morning briefing or something like that newsletter who talked about highly talented, talented people who feel inferior? Uh, I don't see the podcast on the site. By the way, I really enjoy the podcast. Love the clips from Zig. Thanks, uh, Ron. Okay, Roy Williams. That was it that you're talking about. That was show 426, the Talented Person Blind Spot. That show got an extra amount of downloads, and it's you know I'll I'll speak on that, folks. Sometimes you know you would think that we have a ton of subscribers, so we know every show is going to get downloaded by x ten thousands of of people. Uh, So why does one show have so many more downloads than another thousands sometimes? the best that we understand is it's because you listen to one and you find enough value. So even as you're a consistent subscriber, listening to everything we put out that when you find one that really resonates with you and really has just some extra powerful content that you forward it on to others and let people know. And that's when we see one show that, Oh my gosh, you got 5,000 more downloads in a four week period of time than another. Well, I'll tell you that one, uh, 426 with Roy Williams, talented uh, person, blind spot obviously resonated because it got a significant bump up in the download. So really inspire you guys to go there. Oh, and the the newsletter you mentioned, it was the Monday Morning Memo, which is the longest standing subscription to any newsletter blog that I've ever had. And it's the only one that uh, I, I literally, without fail, look at it. Every single time, probably 50 to 70% of the time, it nails something that I'm really into. Or it'll be one like this week where I'll read it and go, I have no idea what he's talking about and pass on. Uh, that's rare though. <laughs> he's uh, one of my favorites. He's down there in Austin, Texas. Not uh, That's a hop, skip and a jump from you, isn't it, Tom?
1: Yep. It's down in the beautiful, he's down in the beautiful hill country area. He was telling us about his compound down there and I was kind of jealous.
0: I, we've got to go. We've got to go at some point. I really want to. Um, Well, Kirsten uh, baema says, I recently listened to your podcast on reacting versus responding, and I loved it. This has been the number one driving force behind my pursuit of personal development since the beginning, as I know that any success aside from that which involves my loved ones is empty without success with them. So looking back, I've always had somewhat of a short temper and reactive nature. And once I became aware enough of it and who I was – and who I wanted to be, I have become, been working on reining it in. After having my second child, it really hit me in the face. I was so patient and calm when I only had uh, my first child to care for. But as soon as my time and attention were split between the two, my calm dissipated. I have worked <laughs> extremely hard on improving my physical health, uh, as I know that it's a direct bearing on my mental and emotional health. Amen. And I now, uh, I'm now a fitness and nutrition coach as well as a pediatric physical therapist. I'm still working on getting enough sleep. Uh, that seems to be my downfall, but I've tried many different tactics to remind myself and my family to stop and respond rather than react, such as wearing a bracelet that says only, only love today. Uh, putting sticky notes on around the house, making reminders with the kids, uh, putting a bulletin board of alternatives to yelling at each other, et cetera. And some of them work in the short term, but I'm still struggling with this. any advice, would be welcome thanks so much for your time and ongoing motivation and and tom you probably recall the message from uh from your dad from zig on that on responding versus reacting and how we as a culture and to me it came even to not only from the personal standpoint of our inherent nature to respond uh respond to something as opposed to healthfully react but even to uh I think somewhat of a cultural issue of our propensity to just be react to, to be reactive overall instead of proactive. And we're playing around with some words there, but um, you know, it's a personal, we're talking about personal health and maturity to a deep level to be able to, to do that. And I know you saw that in your dad, saw that modeled in your dad. I'm sure he wasn't hundred percent perfect, but his ability to take whatever came at him that he passed on to you and so many others, to take it and to give a healthful response instead of a boom reaction?
1: Well, first off, I think she's my hero doing all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing what yeah. you've got going on. Yeah, uh, I wrote a Significance newsletter and I, I asked a question. Uh, have you ever accidentally clicked and downloaded a virus? Mm, yes, a stup- we all have. Those
0: stupid ones lately where you end up with a, a different search engine stuck on your browser. I've done that, I think, wow. three times.
1: Yeah. Or uh, have you ever gotten the the notice on your computer or your smartphone, hard drive's almost full? Yeah. And so you ignore it and ignore it until it crashes. I mean, yeah. that's what we all do. I think uh, reacting a lot of times is because we've either got a virus or our hard drive is full. mm. So here's what I mean: is we've we pre-programmed, we tell ourselves a story that we can't take anymore, uh, and that bubbles up when we get under pressure. Mm-hmm. And so what we got to do is rewrite the script and the self-talk card. And, and Kevin, we've had more testimonials on the self-talk mm-hmm. card than probably any ten other things combined on this podcast. I mean, the self-talk card is amazing. You can go to Ziegler.com forward slash self-talk and get it. But what do I mean by that? Well, uh, you're already doing it. So in your daily self-talk, you are planting that seed that no matter what the situation is, you're going to respond. And you're going to learn some simple techniques. You're going to take two breaths. You're going to back up a little bit. You're going to feel the tension rising, and you're going to tell yourself in advance I love it when the tension rises because I always take a moment and respond in love. So that's like, right, that's getting rid of that virus and putting the new operating system in place. The second is hard drive overload. Sometimes we react instead of respond because we've let too much stuff in our hard drive. We're doing too many things. (laughs) It's just impossible. When you get multiple kids and they're all playing multiple sports and you've got jobs and, hobbies and things that you want to do it's just natural for us to get overwhelmed and so what comes to sacrifice first well our sleep and not only our sleep but our peaceful sleep gets interrupted Mm -hmm. we might get seven hours which seems like enough except for it's not a good seven hours we're worried about that next thing so that's why we add by subtracting we get a we get more life by taking some of it out so those are the two things i mean it's it's real simple tips Dad always planned in advance. I mean, he knew the situations in life that were going to happen on a regular basis that would disappoint him, that could discourage him, that could set him back, and he had pre-programmed his answer. Oh, the plane's late? Fantastic. Oh, it's canceled? Fantastic. Why not make the best out of the situation? He's not changing either one of those circumstances anyway. I mean... the the chocolate milk gets spilled all over the kitchen. Fantastic. <laughs> what blowing up is going to pull the milk out of the floor. No, it's not. It's going to make it worse. So we just plan that in advance. Yeah.
0: Well, I love your aspect of having a virus or, or hard drive is full. So here I, I got to give a quick personal testimony uh, today as we record is my birthday. Uh, Happy birthday. Every, yes. Yes. Everybody send goodies. Thank you. Uh, but when you talk about a virus or a hard drive is full, that is one. Yes. With my busy home and my love of building different opportunities, I am prone to having a full hard drive. So on one side, I can just say, okay, you know, quit your stinking thinking, Kevin, you, you got plenty of bandwidth though. There is a point too of realizing that, you know, no, no, my hard drive is, is full, uh, what am I going to do about it though? So today on my birthday, my wife and I years ago and brought to us by my wife realized that with the large household that we have with the many endeavors we like to have, we have got to have some times to renew ourselves. So we call them sabbaticals. She calls them mommy sabbatical and daddy sabbatical though. In truth, it's a family sabbatical. Uh, so today case in points, my birthday, what am I doing for my birthday? I'm having a sabbatical today after we quit recording, I'm going to a friend's Cabin, and I am going to take a couple days, actually, all by myself, solitude and just some time to think deeply, to journal, to uh, go for a run. I may just uh, sit down, you know, probably watch a good movie. Hey, December 6th, the Born, the the latest Born movie just came out on DVD. I'm going to watch that sucker. Uh, so, but you know, there's, there's, there's the aspect of, yeah, get your head, you know, no matter what's going on, get your head in line. But there's also sometimes I think some circumstantial things, circumstantial things that you need to do to, to, to make some space, get some margin for yourself. So here, here I am as a daddy of 10 and I'm going on a getaway, thankful to my wife and I'll pay her back with the same thing. We do that. And, uh, I'm going to get some room on my emotional, hard drive because, uh, sometimes I struggle with that, with life and the things that come in front of me and thinking, Oh, my hard drive is full. Um, all right, man. Next one here, Alan, uh, McNe- okay. Here's an interesting one. He says, hi, Kevin and Tom. I want to tell you both how much I enjoy and appreciate the podcast. I'm a huge fan of Zig. He's been such a positive influence in my life. I especially enjoyed episode 425 on blame as this is a message that I need to hear often. Uh, I would love it if you would have more episodes on blame and personal accountability, as I see this as a big problem in society today. It would be awesome if you could have John G. Miller, author of QBQ and Flipping the Switch, as a guest on your podcast to address this topic. John has such a unique way of handling this topic, and it would be fascinating to hear the three of you discuss this. Thanks for all the life-changing content, Alan. Uh, McNet. Well, that was interesting, Tom, because literally 2 days ago I had to go back and, and verify that 2 days ago I got a a Facebook uh, you know, friend request from John G Miller, author of QBQ. So maybe that's uh um It's a sign, it's a sign that we should because yeah, he has a great uh book. I, I read that gosh, probably 15 years ago, maybe not that long ago. Somewhere 10, 12 years ago, I think I read QBQ, uh The Question Behind the Question, and it is about Personal accountability. So yeah, maybe we should hit up John. He's a he's kind of a, a neighbor of mine. He's just over in Denver, uh, Colorado. And I met him at one point. It might have it might have been meeting via phone, but did a conference call uh, with him. But back to the the aspect though of blame and personal accountability. Talk about back to our earlier talk, Tom, of, of something that uh, spans the the uh, spans time, never goes away. Is the issue. And the need to deal with our propensity to blame, to not have personal responsibility in our lives—it's so easy to talk about. But I think you know some of these things we look at and go, "Okay, Tom, am I a person? Am I Kevin? Am I a, am I a per- Do I take personal responsibility seriously? Am I responsible?" And you would say, "Oh, yeah." And I would say the same thing about you. But the reality is, if there's a graph, we're somewhere on the spectrum. We may be further to the personal responsibility side, but we've never—we haven't arrived. We're we're there. And to me, you were just talking about self-talk cards. Is this not just a daily effort? This is a daily. Uh, we're daily striving to remind ourselves to to have more maturity, to not blame, to have more accountability, to to take more personal responsibility, to make to do the things that we need to do.
1: Yeah, you know, has any great thing ever been accomplished by blame? Mm. <laughs>
0: It feel it can feel good in the moment, there, just momentary, kind of like eating a plate of donuts, and then afterwards you feel like crap.
1: One of the things that I've learned uh, in my short fifty one years is that um, if you if if you know what you stand for, you're working hard, and somebody tries to pin something on you, golly, it's really easy just to pin it back and blame them. But the but the more progress you make, the more people understand who you are and what you stand for, the less you have to defend yourself. And it's really cool. So when you look at it from those two perspectives, number one, am I creating a reputation that's the right kind of reputation? And number two, what's the benefit of blame? There's almost no benefit of blame. And when you create the right reputation, you surround yourself with the right kind of people they're your allies. They fight those battles for you, and and so, and that's even more powerful. Now, I've watched leaders accept responsibility for situations that they had very little to do with, and it looked like such a golly, why are they doing that? I mean, they could easily put it off, and it's because they had the long view. Mm-hmm. It's because they understood you know what, if we're going to get progress, we got to get this thing done. And everybody who knows the situation knows that I had very little to do with the negative result. And now they are like, oh, my gosh, this guy's transparent or this woman is taking responsibility for. It. How can I how can I pitch in? How can I help? So that's, you know, blame is a funny thing. It It is. Uh, it's like uh, it's like a grudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like not giving forgiveness. We think that we have power when we hold a grudge that when we don't offer forgiveness, but what we're really doing is we're putting that other person in control of us. Blame is the same thing. When we blame somebody, we've actually given them control over us.
0: Yeah. Well, and
1: what we want to do is take control
0: yeah and and then so I want to ask you something real quick, uh, Tom, on the personal responsibility aspect. I think it was show four forty three just the one prior to this that I invite, it was either that or four forty three or four forty two invited my dad Dan Miller uh, author of forty eight days on to talk about a, a clip from your dad from Zig and we talked we got on to talking about uh, taking full personal responsibility and how on one hand that is it should be freeing to say, wait a minute. I can, I can take responsibility. I don't have to react this way. I can affect change, positive change in a direction I want to go. That's awesome. I'm not a victim. Great. Uh, is what it should be. But there's a reality, I think for some people, and maybe again, for all of us in varying degrees, sometimes to feel like that can be overwhelming. I don't have anything to fall back on. It's all on me. And that can make you feel alone, which can get us into a, a spiritual discussion, rightly so. But that uh, – I, I don't know. I'm just interested with the, the amount of people you've worked with, if you see that sometimes too, that on one hand, taking full personal responsibility can be freeing, but it can also sometimes have some weight of overwhelmedness to it.
1: Well, I'll, I'll share a quote with you that really tested my man card right. uh, because this is a great quote, and this is like a, truly a Texan quote. The quote was, there are two kinds of men in the world. Those who take responsibility for themselves and their family, and those who abdicate that responsibility to someone else. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, that that pulled my man card because what does that mean? I mean, it's like soup to nuts. It is just beginning to end, alpha omega do I take personal responsibility for myself and my family as a man or do I abdicate that? Well, no real man is going to abdicate that. Mm -hmm. And you could put it on the, you know, ladies, you can say the same thing. Do I take personal responsibility for myself and my family or do I abdicate that to someone else? Yeah, that's harsh. Yeah. But you know, dig into that and ask yourself, really, I should let somebody else be responsible for my health or my family's Mm -hmm. well-being, my kids' education. It's a
0: powerless, dead-end place to be. It is. Yeah.
1: And it doesn't mean that in this very moment we might be able to do a lot about it uh, because we're in a circumstance, you know, either by bad, you know, luck or circumstances or bad decisions, but we're just kind of in a place but when I make that decision, you know what? I'm going to take responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. That is the first step. And like, you know, I don't know if it was Confucius or whoever said, you can't take the second step until you take the first step. Absolutely. Well, and, and, and so, yeah, I mean, it is, and to me, it's not something that we, we should get into an overwhelmed state as oh, man, I'm responsible for everything. No, we're just responsible to do what we can today to move ourselves closer to where we want to be. Yeah.
0: Well, and not to, and I don't want to, as much as a fan as I am of, of self employment, to hold it up as any holy grail or anything better. But Tom, you'll appreciate this that that is something that it hits me every. I probably have I probably have a once a quarter crisis where I go, you know what? On a given day, I'm so tired of making decisions. Can I just <laughs> Can I just advocate that to someone else just for a day? And yet, as soon as I sit down, who Who else do I want to give the power to make those decisions that affect this business, this opportunities? My family, even nobody. Okay, go get a go get a nice Americano and get over it, Kevin, and uh, go make a good decision today, or call Tom and uh, divulge a little bit. Get some counsel is probably a good time for when that happens. Well, hey, and I appreciate everybody uh, with these shows. And, folks, again, when you're listening to a show like this and you have a question, throw it to us. You can go to uh, Show or Zigshow.com and there's a big Ask tab right up at the top, or you can simply email us at Ask, A-S-K, at Ziggshow, Uh, Because most people who do that are just like these folks we're talking about here, and they're citing a specific show and a specific question. This one's real specific, but I actually want to take it a little further. Uh, This is uh, Chris. He says, in show number 431, which was uh, titled, Pay the Price Now to Avoid the Cost Later. Kevin talks about his friend who does neurotherapy with dementia patients. Could you give us more info on his work? My dad has dementia age 70. His sister has it and two of his brothers had it and died from it. I'm 42 and definitely interested in his work. Thanks, love and appreciate you guys. Well, I, that seemed like a specific thing like he was just asking for contact info, which I'm actually going to give you, Chris. But It's a bigger thing that right now we are dealing, we are at a talk about an age of dealing with that. We have so many people, uh, a generation who is now dealing with parents that are in the Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, that are dealing with that. And it's a big deal. Well, hey, real quick, I'll tell you, it was Neurotherapy of Colorado Springs. And he can probably give you uh, referrals elsewhere, but it's Chris Edwards, great friend. I went to dinner with him not long ago. And here, you know what, here's a number, 719 seven six one six zero four eight so there's the answer to your question chris but on that what it is neurotherapy and my wife works in cognitive training we are talking about this more and more and more and it comes into this personal development arena and tom that's why i wanted to bring it here in show and i didn't go find when the show was uh because i just read this a minute ago but dan harris uh we interviewed him he is the um uh, a news anchor wrote the book 10% Happier and talked about m- uh, meditation, but his effort was to debunk all the hoodoo guru stuff around that. And that's what we talked about the show is we're talking about brain training, which coming back to where you were just moments ago, Tom, talking about self talk cards, which, folks, as always, Ziggler.com slash self talk, you can get Zig self talk cards. That's what it is it 's brain training, and so whether we 're talking about neurotherapy with dementia patients or we 're talking about Dan Harris uh, and, and what, how much a benefit of meditation or just uh, Sabbath was to his his emotions and his brain it 's what the self talk cards but we our brain is not just some idle thing that either works or doesn 't we have some control over it, and it is training that brain it 's a muscle that we can impact and yet it's not the one that we generally take a lot of effort to strengthen or alter. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my gosh, Tom, that's a self talk cards, one oh one, brain training, the best there is.
1: Well, Kevin, I know that you're highly deep into wellness and preventative and the old system of medicine versus the, where we're going. Uh, so I know you could probably go on for hours about this, but let me just say this, uh, about this is, you know, Dad. He uh, he had a fall uh, mm-hmm. about 2007, and he lost a short-term memory. You know, had two brain bleeds, and then probably within a year after that, we realized it was more than just short short-term memory loss. It was Alzheimer's, and so as a family, we did an enormous amount of research on. Uh, dementia Alzheimer's everything in between and there's a there's a uh uh you could probably look it up I don't have the link on it right now, but it's called the leaky roof uh approach to dementia or Alzheimer's and what it really says is is there's it's like when you when you get a roof and it gets hit by hail there's ten or twenty leaks in it. And that's what causes the flood. It's not one leak that causes the flood. It's all of those leaks. And so the cure is you plug all the holes. Well, our brain is kind of the same way. Uh, our nutrition, what we eat, if if we're eating processed foods that have uh, a, a lot of chemicals and preservatives and a high carb load and sugar, it causes inflammation. It mm-hmm. just is real difficult for the body to handle. If If our vitamin levels aren't right for us, uh, we need to get that right. If our hormones are off, then we can do something about that. If we're not walking and exercising on a regular basis. And there's there's like 12 or some things that we can do that anybody can do. In fact, you could practice all these things today. You know, and if it reverses and they're finding some studies that it's actually helping people reverse yeah. the situation they're in, if, if it's proven that it reverses it, then it's probably a pretty good indicator. It would prevent it in the first place. And I think it's really interesting that it's, uh, it's such a holistic kind of an incrementalism approach that, you know, there's not a magic pill. There's not one thing that we can do, but if we develop relationships and have conversations and do, you know, brain oriented puzzles on the computer and eat right and don't eat that and exercise and look at this all of a sudden, our statistical uh probability for not having dementia or slowly you know keeping it from progressing rapidly or whatever that all goes up it doesn't you know it doesn't take into consideration that some people have a genetic issue that there's not much you can do about, but that's so rare we're talking about the ninety eight percent so isn't it funny that uh whether we're trying to get good brain health or create a winning life? that it's just not the one thing. It's the, all the right things in a package that make the difference.
0: It is, it is. Well, and and I gotta, I gotta mention here, my wife is involved with the cognitive research Institute. They're doing a pilot program right now on cognitive training on functional medicine, which I'm, I'm involved in, and of course, nutritional supplement therapy, just all that you talked about, but it's what's interesting. Yeah. I talk about what what pulls it all together, Tom, that no matter what brilliance of a plan that we can come together, it still comes down to the inspiration and the motivation to walk out what's needed to happen. We come back to that time and time again. So I don't care if you're a a speaker and author on stage like Zig, or whether you're a doctor who has great uh therapy for someone it's the inspiration and motivation to do what we need to do which is why we're all here working on it on the Ziegler show. Well, here's another one. Tom says, hi, Kevin and Tom. I've been listening to your podcast and love it. I've heard you say in different podcasts that Zig studied through listening and reading for three hours every day. I'm just wondering how much of that was dedicated to personal development and how much to career development or other pursuits. Do you have a recommendation for how much time you'd spend each day reading? What do you have some books or other materials you'd recommend? Thanks for all you do. Can I please remain anonymous? Uh, So yes, especially since you didn't give your name, I have no choice, but to keep you (laughs) (laughs) anonymous. Uh, But, uh, oh my gosh, books or materials to recommend, that would be a long, a long list, but that's a relevant question. So if Zig, yeah, he's known for reading so much, you know that more than anyone, but how much on personal development, how much on career development or other pursuits, uh, give us some insight.
1: I I think uh, the vast majority uh, was around the wheel of life. So when you look at the wheel, we've got the mental, the family, the financial, the personal, and the career. So one-seventh of that wheel is about the professional, right, the career. And I would bet that at the end of the day, about one-seventh of his reading and research was around the career. Because he knew that, and, and, and here's the philosophy behind that, and I've, I tell this story a lot. We were... Uh, talking at an event and this young sales guy comes up. He was like, he wasn't even 30. It was his first sales job. He said, Tom, I've only got, I've only got enough money for one of these programs here. Do I get the personal development program or do I get the sales program? And I said, well, what do you do? He said, well, I just started in sales. You know, I need to make money. I'm just getting going. So I knew the answer At least I tell myself I did, but I said, well, let's ask dad. He's standing over here. So I go, Hey dad, here's the deal. I told him the situation and dad said, Oh, that's easy. You get the personal development program. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, you can put all the right skills on the wrong person. It doesn't matter. And so dad was all about creating the right person. Now he did. He taught on leadership. He studied leadership But that's more of a softer personal development skill, leadership, than a. and I'm not sure what your answer would be or what your question was coming from, but a lot of times when I think of a career, it might be like how to uh, run a business or how to maximize the output of a machine or or, or whatever, which are more technical things. So anything that had to do with the people side, he was all in it, and we kind of put that into the personal development bucket and he he did he invested three hours a day in reading, and the biggest majority of that was uh his own personal what could he learn that he could then transfer to somebody else that would make you a more successful human being and then a big chunk of that was the spiritual side because you know what if we have all the right information and we make the wrong decision around it, what good did it do and that's where we are in our society. we got way too much knowledge and not enough wisdom, yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, so the wheel of life, you, you of course, mentioned that it's a big part of Ziggler. And, uh, is there a place that folks can get that? seems like something we ought to have on a self-talk. Like we have the, you know, Ziggler.com forward slash self-talk where people can get the cards. How about the wheel of life? Have we done that? Or is that a good, uh, opportunity for an upcoming show?
1: Yeah, let's do a show on it because we do have a PDF and it would be great to do a wheel of life assessment. Um, just like they can get the self-talk. We'll make the wheel of life a download.
0: Okay. There you go. Okay. You know what? Just just name it off again for folks who didn't get it on the first run there. Name off the seven things.
1: There, the seven spokes on the Wheel of Life, the mental, the spiritual, physical, family, financial, personal, and career.
0: Beauty. Okay. Well, hey, there you go. It's a date. We got to do one on there. Um, all right. Hey, you know, I'm going to do one, one more question here. And folks, we do have a lot, uh, a lot of Q and A's have come in again, feel free. If you're, if you've listened today and something's, uh, sparked your interest or got a question concern or a debate, whatever you want to do, uh, send it in again, go to the Ziggler show, hit the ask button, or you can just email us at ask at dot And we'll try to make these a little more consistent. Well, we'll wrap up with uh, an interesting one here. It says, I want to thank Uh, Kevin Miller for covering the topic of being likable in his recent podcast episode. It was great to hear Zig Ziglar's audio on the theme. I actually implemented a couple of tips today when hosting a meet for coffee type gathering with some fellow professionals uh, and noticed good reception and vibes from across the table and uh, made me feel good inside as well. Currently, I'm in a job search and was wondering if Kevin could cover the topic of being likable when searching for a new opportunity, as well as how one can remain so after one has landed, I think this would be helpful. It was great to hear his own personal account of what took place in his company and how, unfortunately, two employees had to be let go. Uh, thank you. Keep up the awesome work. I always look forward to hearing your show. Well, I mean, you know, Tom, I think in this in this show we talked a lot about the aspect of even the, you know, the, the, the classic uh, from Carnegie, um, uh, "How to Win Friends and Influence People," one of my favorite books of all time, and yes, yeah, so much of a mess of the message of of uh, of Ziegler. and it is relating to people. It is it's a lost art, and that's what the, a lot of the focus was on that show. Tom was just a lost art of PR skills, relating to people well and caring for them, just like you guys talk about with sales. You know, what is good sales? It's caring for somebody. Uh, Well, so in your question here on being likable, whether it's you're you're searching for something or whether you land it, I don't think that it changes. Do you, Tom? Uh, At any stage of the game, being likable is is pretty much a consistent static aspect of personal relating. And uh, well, you you talked about self-image a little bit ago. Let's start there with that. I mean to relate to people well, to care for them well has got to start with our own personal level of self image and confidence. With that, I think it's I think it's very difficult. I think you can kind of fake it till you till you make it with mentality, but it's really hard to sustain if you don't have a sense of strength in yourself. What do you think?
1: Absolutely. You know, we usually treat people no better or no worse than we treat ourselves. Mm. Uh, that's that's why when I see somebody being rude or inconsiderate or whatever, uh, I have two emotions that go through my brain. You know, it kind of upsets me because it's wrong. And then I really feel sorry for them because I can only imagine what they're telling themselves inside that head of theirs. Right. <laughs> they're, they're saying, I don't have what it takes. I'm no good. Because what you believe about yourself gets you know sent out. Uh, I, I, I I like being likable. I mean, that's fantastic. I, I think I love being lovable, um, even more. And if, if we're lovable, we're probably going to be likable too. And I, and I think the essence of it is, is man, we're in a distracted world. I mean, it's so easy to, I mean, anytime, even with your meeting people the first time and it's, and it could be a business opportunity how many people around that table during that business opportunity get distracted by the phone? I mean, mm-hmm. they, just, they just pull it out, and, and it just goes about it. So if you want to be likable and lovable, uh, the first key is to realize, hey, you know what? Our time together is not about me. I'm going to be totally focused on you. Dad's simple secret. He was in the room for everybody else. He wasn't there for himself. Mm-hmm. Boy, what a baseline to start from. Uh, And then, okay, if I'm there for everybody else, how do I connect? Not once did dad ever complain. You know what? They're teenagers. They won't listen to me. Why bother? Instead, he said, okay, they're teenagers. What do I have to do to connect with a teenager? (laughs) Totally different from the way the world works today. And, of course, we train our kids. I mean, we surgically implant the cell phone on our daughters when they turn 11. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's just... It's like a rite of passage. So we train them to be en- engrossed in me, 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 me. And so how how do we carry that on? Boy, you know, we mentioned QBQ. Uh, what a great thing. What if you just practice the art of having a series of questions that help uncover who somebody is that you're with? Mm-hmm. What if you became a master of like, five basic questions and then five follow-up questions on each one
0: of those. Man, that right there. Well, so that's where I was heading, Tom, is is this is uh, connect, being likable is, I mean, we want to say, I think we tend to have this habit naturally as we do with a lot of uh, personal skills and abilities where we think, oh, it's inherent or it's not. That person's outgoing. They just connect with people. And of course, there are some degrees where people have more of a natural tendency towards anything uh, more so than, than than somebody else, maybe, but it, there are also some tenets of uh, that we all need to get training in and to master. So when we're talking about being likable. Uh, which I, I, to me is, is is showing respect to other people and having them feel that respect, having them feel that care, feel that love that is primarily those are those are trained things to understand how to be aware, why to be aware, and when you go to my gosh Tom, you know I, I grew up going to Ziegler conferences and listening to tapes and going to Carnegie classes. And go into things. I mean, Toastmasters is another. These are places where you go to understand social awareness. So you'll appreciate this, Tom. I actually, I mentioned uh, the Bourne movies. I'm a fan of uh, of the Bourne movies. My sons. I got a ten year old and eleven year old uh, sons who watched the first one a couple weeks ago. It wasn't long after that that we were talking. I can't remember what brought it up, but I had one of those little fatherly moments, and I said, "Let's talk about." Being respectful and caring for other people's well, and being socially aware. So that's my that was my that's what what I was bringing around. How to be socially aware so that you're the person in the crowd who's not just thinking about yourself, but you're aware of the other people in the group and what they're feeling and how they're doing, how you can care for them. And I said, okay, this is one of those. Actually, this is one of those brilliant father. I got some I got some man card and father card points on this one. I said, okay, guys, you remember Jason Bourne, right? When he would sit down in a restaurant or go someplace was he very aware of everything around him? Oh yeah, dad, dude, he knew he knew everything. He knew how many people, he knew what they were doing. He knew what they were reading. I said, wasn't that awesome? Oh yeah. Would you like to be like that? Yeah. Okay. Do that in a social environment when you're with other people and know the person that feels left out, the person who's being overbearing, the person who would like to be brought into the conversation. You know, you can go on and on with that. But I said, that was, uh, and I actually talked, you know, I've talked to other people about that with sales and you know, this you go sit down in somebody's office trying to sell them something, what's the first thing you're doing? And you're scanning for a connection point. Oh, so you went skiing. That looks like Breckenridge. Is that yeah, it was ah, oh, I love the place. Finding those connection points, those places to relate, but being socially aware. But like you said, as Zig was such a master of of going in and having everybody else's care ahead of his own in an authentic place. But I, I think the thing that I want to impress on is what you said is you know, mastering that. What better thing to be a student of than how to care for others, how to be aware of others, to get out of yourself and be the one person that is showing them the respect and the care that everybody so longs for? That, to me, is uh, the, there's the ingredients for being likable. When you're likable, man, the world is in so many ways uh, your oyster. Uh, that, that's one, Tom, uh, you know, for me, if, if there, if I was t- do a top five list, a top three list of things I want to impart to my kids, I think that's it. I think that's got to yeah. be right there.
1: It, you know, it reminds me talking about kids since we're on that roll. Um, I was talking to a guy this week and he said, you know, my, my, uh, my 13 year old is kind of pummeling my 10 year old, pretty mm-hmm. normal stuff. And I said, well, he needs warrior training. And he goes, what do you mean by that? And I go, oh, you know, a, a warrior has a code. Mm. The code mm. says, I protect my family. <clears throat> a warrior would never do that. You want to be a warrior, don't you? Right. And so it's like, born, you're like, you're, you you know, you took the good parts of that movie and you said, the, these things he's doing are positive. Well, our kids, our, our, especially our boy, and this is John Eldridge type, you know, kind of kind of talk, but. When we when we create a standard and elevated position that we want our our, our children to grow into, this is how warriors behave. You know, uh, you know, they won't stand for somebody treating a lady disrespectfully, and so and they pattern that. They've got to be the leader in the family. The oldest son has to be the leader and show the brothers and sisters this is how we behave. And so all of a sudden now they're aspiring to something instead of being entitled to something. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, warriors will fall in line when a, when another warrior says, Hey, you're out of line. So that means, well, guess what? We got to be a warrior ourselves.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen the same thing with my little girls and looking at some of the movies with the the regal princess and the things that they want to live up to and being a lady and, and such things. I love those visuals for us, but how can we get those for ourselves? So I appreciate that question. Uh, being likable, I think that's, that's not a very common terminology or focal point, but uh, relating to people well, I don't know if there's anything better. And again, you know, the, I think that's a thread. That's one of the strongest threads that runs through everything Ziggler is that personal connection, relational health. So, folks, if you're looking for that, those are, it's a great place to start. Go to Ziggler.com and uh, check that out right now. You can check out some amazing Christmas packages as well, But yeah, there's some others. You know what? I, I will put you on the spot. One last thing, Tom, on that. As we talk about Ziglar products, I mentioned Carnegie's uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. But when you talk about personal relationship skills and you talk about this subject, I don't have a long list of resources. Uh, I'm going to guess that you may have. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here racking my brain. Again, I didn't prep for our candid uh, show here yet, but How to Win Friends and Influence People is awesome. Um, yeah, QBQ has one for personal accountability, but I don't know, uh, you know, for something that really teaches personal awareness and, uh, being likable to people, relational skills. You got any come up to you?
1: <laughs> well, our, my favorite one on that is, um, our family one called courtship after marriage, uh, because it's all about how you, you know, husband, spouse, how you treat each other and the things that you can do. You get that one right, then your relationships with everybody else just kind of falls in line. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Hey, there you go again, find that at com and, and go forward there. Tom man, always a blast to uh, do this. So it looks like we've got a, a date for, we got more Q and A's to answer here that we'll have to get to in another show. And then, yeah, I think that's a great one. We, we need to schedule that one on the wheel of life. Talk about that. And run through that with folks and give them a resource. So, folks, look for that in an upcoming show. We'll give you a resource. Yeah, I don't think we've gotten more positive testimonials for the show than we have in, rel- in, in relation to the self talk cards, which you can get at slash self talk. They're totally free. Uh, so, let's see if we can do some justice in offering the wheel of life. That'd be awesome. Okay. Tom, thanks. Folks, thanks for being here with us, inspiring our true performance together. It's an honor, and we will talk with you in the next Ziegler Show.